How is it possible that in a 100-day period, a group of people who had lived in community killed 1.1 million of their neighbors? What could possibly explain this unimaginable act of genocide that devastated the country of Rwanda in 1994? The answer? It's education. Because education without virtue is dangerous. But in stark contrast, schools infused with truth, goodness, and beauty can be one of the most powerful agents of grace and hope. Stay tuned to hear a powerful story of God's restoring a nation through a unique classical Christian educational model that is as effective in Rwanda as it is today in urban and suburban America. You don't want to miss this episode of Basecamp Live. Mountains, we all face them. Basecamp Live will equip you to conquer the biggest mountains when raising the next generation. Each week, you'll hear from culture watchers, thought leaders, and storytellers who know the tools you'll need to summit the peak and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. Welcome to Basecamp Live, and now your host, Davies Owens. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. I'm in the studio here today with a great friend of mine, Pastor Patrick. Um, I think you may get the award for having traveled the furthest distance to the Basecamp Live studios. You are from Rwanda. Yes, all the way from Rwanda, Africa, actually, East and Central Africa. Isn't that amazing? Just to come to the podcast. Yes, to come, to come <laughs> and speak to you about this important subject. Yeah, well, in all seriousness, you have become a genuine, just a great friend, Pastor Patrick. Um, maybe just to start, for those who are listening, I'm sure they've heard of Rwanda, and maybe in the distant mind they remember back in 1994, uh, one of the most horrific um genocides in world history. Um, I'm sure there are others that are really horrific, but this was really bad. You were there uh, in a refugee camp, I guess, in Uganda. Yes. And came back in 94. And so just kind of set the stage for, as we talked today, a little bit of your journey, but we're going to find out really why education um, is really such a transformative force in, in Rwanda. So... Yeah, being uh, born and raised in a refugee camp as a refugee in Uganda, uh, I was homesick because I had about good stuff about Rwanda, but I wasn't allowed to go to Rwanda. Mm. And then when genocide happened, by God's grace, the government that was killing its own people was overthrown. Mm. And then we were allowed to go back to Rwanda. Well, the genocide was officially stopped uh, July 14th, 1994. And July 21st, I was on the ground. And this was after, so 100 days. Uh, Actually, of... yes, 100 days of genocide. You mm -hmm. know, it's mm -hmm. that kind of, that genocide was very swift. 1.1 million people killed in just 100 days. Yeah. yeah. Because it started on April 6th and it ended up on Ju in July uh, 14th. And so you came back in, you literally are burying the dead. By the time I came to Rwanda, uh, 21st of July, 1994, just one week after genocide officially stopped, uh, the nation was in a mess. This overthrown government was away, the new government trying to put in place, and de dead bodies scattered everywhere. Mm. So the priority was to make sure that we organize the environment and um, and come back into normal, yeah. you know? So uh, 
we thank God for what the where the nation is now. Unbelievably, in a different place. 20, oh yeah, four years later. So, but just in that, and again, this is worth an hour of storytelling. But just to kind of set this up, so you know, you've literally buried the dead, and you feel God calling you to go and serve your people. And so this begins a ministry. As uh, as a refugee, yeah. um, I found Christ, and Christ was a consolation to my life. And then I was a preacher. So by the time I came to Rwanda, I had my Bible and I was a preacher. Then I didn't know what to do with that environment, but God spoke to me through the Word of God. He's going to bring this nation together. I began to preach about uh, the forgiveness, the kind of Christ's example when He forgave those who crucified Him. And I started preaching, preaching, planting churches. And what I love about your story is it's just, it is the purest, to me, purest form of the gospel. You literally stood next to a tree that you've shown me in this small village. And you simply preached the good news in a world that was absolutely distraught and lacking any kind of good news Mm. at that point. Yeah, that was the only good news at that point. And it was basic, simple, clear. Yeah. Through Jesus and the word of God. Yeah. And accepting what happened and forgiveness, it's going to bring this nation together. And so what's interesting about this story is that your your vision for sharing the gospel has amazing, you know, it's amazing what you've done, what, 20-some churches now? 25 churches. Yeah, I've got to keep count of you. Yes. So I know Rick Warren has brought you out for um, training and sort of sees you as one of the most influential pastors, not to, not to inflate your ego here, but you are doing significant work in the country of Rwanda. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things that I learned and was very inten- essential was purpose-driven church building system mm. where you become intentional by applying what Jesus preached mm-hmm. and what he commanded the church to do. You know, a church is not from the blue. Jesus, we have to preach the good news and Jesus Give up, give the church right. the good news. Yes, you have to be intentional to stay on the course. And it seems so. This is what's interesting to me. Growing up, being a church guy myself, growing up in the church world, um, I, I'm sure most people listening are, are nodding their heads, going, "Absolutely, the world needs to know about Jesus. We need to get the gospel out." And yet, you and here you've planted 25 churches, but there's more to the story because as you looked around. Um, if I can say more to the gospel, it's fully incomplete. Let's make that clear that we don't need to add to the gospel. But the question is, uh, it struck me a number of years. For, I've been there three times. When I was first in Rwanda in Kigali in the city, there's an amazing uh, genocide uh, a, a memorial that's there. And there is a, uh, a, 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 I guess, what's the term for it? I guess a presentation that they have that kind of talks about all of the details of the genocide. And, and I always struck me when I was first going through, there is a display that explains or answers the question, why did it, how did it happen? Why did it happen? How do people that are, that basically look the same, all of a sudden turn brother against brother in such a horrific way? And it struck me because as this display explained, they were actually, the education in the schools was actually the conduit through which propaganda was being preached that if you were of a certain tribal group, you were a cockroach and otherwise you were not. And these children year over year were indoctrinated to this so that by the time the genocide came, it wasn't like someone just presented the idea for the first time. This was years of indoctrination of how to see the world. And so education in that case was used in a very dangerous way. 
Yes, actually, um, in schools, that was the best place um, to indoctrinate kids into hate ideology. So they were, if you want to do really impact, you begin with the kids. So from 1959 all the way to 1994, mm -hmm. there was a work of dehumanizing wow. one group of people and make it easy to harm them yeah, because it doesn't make. And sometimes you look at that. But something very interesting to think about, it's because education mm. uh, did a great role in that because uh, those who, it is interesting that people who were much informed were the one who devised the means mm -hmm. to actually exterminate one of the group of the people. Because when you're educated, when you're informed, yeah. that gives you influence and puts you into position of power, especially in the less educated community. Right. And so education, and this is what I think is so profound about all of this, is that we, I think many of us grew up here in America where education was sort of a, a side effort. It was reading, writing, and arithmetic, and that was something you did to get a good grade, to get into a good college. And it was just sort of part of life. It was never, I don't think most of us have ever understood the power of education to actually form at the deepest part of your being what you love and what you believe and who you are. And so here is a, a perfect kind of case study on a culture that for years children were taught to believe a certain thing wrongly that meant at the moment the genocide began, it was like throwing, I guess, a match into you know gasoline. It just ignited. Oh, yeah. You see, when you know kids spend more time in schools back home, if they happen to access education, right, more than they spend time at home. Which is so kids true are, here in the U.S. too. Yes, large, kids, yeah. kids are not yet formed at the young age. Yeah. So. Teachers are in a high regard to the children that they stand before every day. Yeah. So what they tell them, they take it serious. Sometimes a child will argue with their parents mm. concerning what a teacher has told him, mm -hmm. the child, and say, Daddy, no, this is what it is. Because our teacher told us this is what it is. So we didn't need to, estimate, to underestimate the impact of teacher, I mean, education, both in negative direction yeah, and, and positive, positive direction. Right, right. You know, so it determines what kind of education. Yeah. So we're going to take a break and we come back. I'm excited to hear, share with our listeners just this call that God's put in your life to invest in classical Christian education uh, yes. as a solution and as a preventative to ever having a genocide or a culture that slides to that point of darkness again. So we'll be right back. I'm with Pastor Patrick from Rwanda. I look forward to continuing our story. Canon Press is a publishing house located in Moscow, Idaho. Canon Press, we create and provide products that sketch a vision of the whole life, a whole culture, a life full of beauty, tradition, education, community, laughter, and celebration, unashamed of Christ, and sharply at odds with the values of modernity, a mature culture with the church at the center, living out the good life, one family at a time. We believe our book, audio, and visual selections reflect this exciting life that God has given us under the sun. As the wisest man said, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Canonpress.com. Welcome back here with Pastor Patrick from Rwanda, having a fascinating conversation of really what does it take to rebuild a country? And if you're going to pretty much start from the ground up, which is where Rwanda was 24 years ago, 
you planted 25 churches and then you looked around and you said the force that shaped the mindsets of these people that led to the killing was actually education. And education can work either way. It's, it's not neutral. If you, if you, when I studied what happened to a country, why would a highly educated person put into position of leadership end up uh, discriminating and killing one group of people that would have been helpful to build the nation, I found out that um, they were highly educated but morally corrupt. Now that's really interesting because this is where I think we are as a country. You can be highly degreed and educated oh, yeah. and morally corrupt. And yes. Because there is we've we've been talking about, you know, there is no you can take virtue and morality off the table, but it doesn't leave um, a, a truly neutral place. It, it, the void will be filled. We talked about <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you feed more of your intellect and avoid your virtue and moral life, you're producing a a dangerous uh, person because that uh, void. Because what you know is different from who you are. And who you are determines how you apply what you know. And morality builds your personhood. Right. Virtue is your uh, the, the, the identity of your personhood. Then education on intellect is what you know. So if you're so you're let me ask it this way. I mean, yes. as a pastor, 25 churches, you could probably plant another 25. Why yes. do you need to go as you've started Bright Future School? You've planted a K6 school. You're working on getting it all the way through high school. You're modeling it after a kind of a classical Christian model. Why isn't the church enough? Can I ask that to you as a pastor? Yes. Uh, actually, the church is not enough for moral formation. It's one aspect. It's one component. Because you're going to spend like two hours in the church uh, the whole week Yeah. if you're spiritual enough. I think in America you're going to spend like one or one and a half. Or, or, or you watched two. it on your phone for 20 minutes. But well, yes, yeah. Or what it may but have yeah. the, the point is you spend how many hours in school? You probably have 10 hours in your school mm -hmm. for the day, mm -hmm. or eight, or seven. How many hours are you going to spend into the school? So if you think the, on, the only spiritual formation is going to come out of your church meeting one hour or two, you're confused. What the church can do, it can give you some information that will help you to live a Christian life in wherever you go, like in your home right. and in your school. Right. So it's a basic math problem. You only have so many hours in the week. Yes. But, but what you've seen as a pastor is that you're not you're not charting some new territory with claiming education as a part of your ministry. You're actually reclaiming what the church owned for centuries was education, right? Actually, education was Christian from the beginning. It was hijacked in the process of life and made it secular. But let me tell you something. Education was Christian from the beginning. But what I want to say is the experience of this in Rwanda. When highly formed people, morally corrupt, decided to exterminate one group of people, it was because they were spiritually empty. When you leave yourself spiritually void, mm -hmm. you're giving a chance devil or evil to occupy your life and then mislead you 
when the evil misleads you into evil, your intellectual ability, your educational ability will help to make your impact yeah. more severe and dangerous. And this is what's scary because I think it's easy to be dismissive and think these were just a bunch of naive savages that were taking machetes and killing their neighbor. These are educated people. You know, I mean, is that, it's hard to even imagine. The educated people, actually, uh, they did not take machetes because they were using pistols and <laughs> They had guns. better weapons. But, but they went to the these was the same, yeah. young people, non-educated, yeah. illiterate, and give them machetes and clubs mm. and say, you guys, if you kill your neighbor, you got to land, you got to feed your, your, or yourself, and you have money. What about that? And because of high regard they had about these people in leadership positions, they thought that was a good deal. Yeah. And because, again, it, to what I saw in that genocide museum, there are literally pamphlets and brochures and materials that were distributed as part of the curriculum yeah. that actually showed this particular group of people is, you know, it's the Hutus and the Tutsis, that these one group was, was inferior. And it was, again, indoctrinated. And I think that's the point of our limited podcast is that education isn't neutral. I mean, you're seeing this in a totally different context than we have in the U.S. But Yes. Uh, you know, um, education um, will help you, but you got to understand that for you to be educated enough to be a complete human being, you need your virtue formed and your intellect developed. So if you develop your one side, you're missing out. Because education without virtue creates and produces a danger to the society. Mm. But also illiteracy is very dangerous because it produces weak community people, you know, weak human Who beings. are susceptible to whatever comes exactly. along. Exactly. Vulnerable, right. weak, yep. helpless. Do you know you can be good inside, mm. but you, you have no avenue mm. to let you out. Mm -hmm. You have no influence, therefore. So high education without virtue is producing a dangerous weapon, a dangerous person in the society, but lack of education is also weakness. So the point is, we need institutions that brand the two to produce a right, balanced person mm -hmm. who will uh, bring about peace and well-being to our societies. And I'll tell you, Rwanda is, to me, this, it is, it's, a, it's a beautiful case study in yeah. reconciliation. And I can't, I, I don't know of anywhere else on the face of the earth where you went from something so horrendous as these millions of people, you know, being killed in this hundred days to 24 years later, reconciliation at a level that we don't even know. We have, you know, we, we hold grudges here in the U.S., I think. And you see the level of, you know, literally living next to someone who killed your family. And yet yeah. there's, been, there's been healing. And that's what I thank God for the government we have today. It's a very unique and godly government. Mm. I'm, I'm serious about that. Mm -hmm. Because there's no government that will bring about a system whereby we call it reconciliatory justice. Mm -hmm. where if you confess your sins, your punishment is going to reduce in a half. <laughs> and now we have people whose families is completely wiped out, only two survives. Yeah. And they say, there's no need of keeping this hatred. It's going to help. Yeah. Let's forgive them. Because God's word says so. Yeah. 
and then they forgive the perpetrators and the living side by side. And that's what I'm telling you. You know, genocide can happen one time, but the ideology has been established for a long time, yes. and it stays even after. Yeah. So the reason why we think classical Christian education is very important, even in our setting, it's because it brings in a philosophy that will develop your morals and virtues at the same time, your intellect. Yep. And that brings you a perfect person. The whole person, yes. And in, in, in our normal education, people doesn't see the yeah. need of balanced yeah. human being. And uh, that is when we talk about Christian education, that's what we mean. Yes. A it's, complete package yeah. that serves your soul, your spirit, and your body. Yeah. So, and that's why we adopted that, because we believe a classical Christian system of education uh, is going to produce m men and women with virtue and uh, excellent in terms of knowledge. Yeah. Those people will help overcome genocide ideology to even virtues of love, service, other than b being driven by self-centered, selfishness, yeah. pride, discrimination, and destruction. I love when you come to the U.S., Pastor Patrick, because yeah. you bring us such, you know, in some ways we, we're very sophisticated compared to Rwanda in terms of our material resources. You and I have talked so often about the just the spiritual hole in our hearts that's yeah. sometimes, I think, even more gaping than the people of Rwanda who have learned to be a whole people, that his educations are getting well-rounded as oh, well as their yeah. hearts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. telling you that we are committed in our lifetime mm. to serve this community with, you know what, when self-centeredness or selfishness mm. takes over your life, you have nothing else to see but you at the expense of the others. Maybe that's why there's so many depressed people in the U.S. We've, when you look, yep. when you look into yourself yep. for betterness, for uh, a, a better person, you end up depressed because there's nothing within you. Yeah. And, but and, if you look unto Jesus Christ yeah. and God, you find a package. I, I wonder this book called the Bible. Mm. It has a lot of treasure. I tell people, even if you're not interested in Christianity, look at this book mm. and just absorb the treasure of knowledge, the philosophy behind it, mm. and live by that and see if you're not effective in this life. Yes. Satisfaction will never come out of material efforts. That's right. Satisfaction will come into fulfilling God's purpose for your life because you're created to serve. Well, I love your vision, Pastor Patrick. Yes. And again, our... our Time is short, but I, th I hope that what folks have heard, I've certainly been reminded afresh just through your story of the power of, uh, of Christian education, classical Christian, to come alongside in the formation of the heart and the virtue of, of an individual. And I, I mean, you look, I, I don't know if anyone listening has probably dealt with br evil and death more directly than you have in many ways, and yet you see this hope that's so profound. You see, I think the world is not looking for high-minded people alone. Mm. He's also looking for faithful and reliable people. Yeah. So if you are involved in education just to develop intellectual capacity without minding of virtue, you have highly informed people, but unreliable mm. and faithful 
and dangerous people. Yes. We we are thank you for that encouragement. We're grateful yeah. to be a part of helping to create non-dangerous oh, yeah. people. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm telling you yeah. I am in for this. And that's why I tell people that there's only one option that's gonna help us. When I went into education, mm. I take it as a service to the kingdom. Yes. It is my uh mission field. Mm. The same way I'm dedicated to the church, our schools are actually a mission field. They are. Well, we'll look forward to having you back um, and hearing more of your story. It's remarkable. I don't know how planting 25 churches, I think we should just call you the Billy Graham of Rwanda. Uh, <laughs> you know, that is what people actually suffer, suffer from. <laughs> you know, my mission is mine, set by God for me. Yes. My ability that he put in me, I qualify for what I'm supposed to do. Well, and I'm just different. It's all God working through you. But God the, yes. working through you. You well, got it. It's an incredible story. Well, thanks for it. encouraging us to, today. I look forward to having you back on, Pastor Patrick. Uh, thank you, Davis. I appreciate you. Okay. Thank you for listening to Basecamp Live. I'm Kate Roberts, a senior this year, who has been extremely blessed with a classical Christian education. I know raising our generation isn't always easy, and we hope this podcast has been an encouragement to you. So thank you truly for listening. You know, with literally of thousands of others tuning in from across the U.S. and all around the world, you are not alone in raising kids in my generation. If you get a quick moment, post a comment to us on our Basecamp Live Facebook page and be sure to tell others about the show. Join us again for our next episode.